Welcome to Fox Valley Church. My name is John Sitzler. I'm the lead pastor. I'm excited that you decided to listen to this message. Isaiah 61 states that we can be like great oak trees planted by the Lord. That's our goal for you. Yes, you. So as you listen to this message, be ready for what God wants to bring to your attention. I believe that you're going to encounter God as you listen. I really do. Are you ready? Let's discover what God has planned. We've had, a, like I said, there's been a lot going on recently, including we had our first praise night on Wednesday night, and God spoke powerfully and worked powerfully, and uh, I'm excited for what more He has to do, and I just want to encourage you a little bit that when people like Sharice come and they share a prophetic message, that that's in the Bible that that kind of stuff happens, and even the way we approach it, just because there's so many people in the room and not all of us can hear well, and there's people online, Sharice, my wife, even leans over and says, hey, I feel like God is doing this. And she just kind of lets me know, then we give her the mic so that she can share. And if you ever have a message like that, just come on over and find me or one of the team, and we'll be happy to walk through that with you. But God has got a specific thing for you today. Say, I believe it. Good. It sounded like you did. Uh, we're continuing our series called Respond, and we started way back in the beginning of January. Do you remember when January was? Do you remember New Year's? It seems like it's so long ago, especially since spring started like three months ago, it feels like, right? Um, but we started, and our key Bible verse was out of Luke chapter 8, and it was the parable of the, the farmer sowing seeds, and, and, and Jesus explains it to his followers. He says, the seeds that fell on the good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently produce a huge harvest. And that's what we're believing God to do in every single life. And that's what we're about. We want you to grow. We want people to grow, grow in their relationship with God, grow in the things that God has for their life, grow in God's blessing, grow in their personal relationships, just grow in their service, grow in the ability to share Jesus, grow in their leadership, grow in managing and stewarding resources. We just want you to grow. And we know that God has got a huge harvest for each and every life. Well, I thought I'd start off today by telling you a story back from my bar hopping days. Is that okay? <laughs> so I was 20 years old. So again, there's already two strikes against me. One, I was bar hopping. Two, I was 20. Now, this is going to sound ridiculous, but when I was in Bible college, so on Saturday nights, downtown Minneapolis, me and a group of guys, we'd go bar hopping. It's not what you think. Everyone's like, ah, they're holding it in, and they're not going to let it out. What we would do is we would get together and pray at about 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock on Saturday night, and we'd pray for an hour. And then we'd walk downtown Minneapolis, and we would just talk to everybody and anybody who was going to the club or going to the bar or whatever was going on. And usually what would happen is we'd each get assigned a city block that was our block for the night. So we'd probably get down there around midnight, maybe a little before, a little bit later, and we'd just walk through and just talk to people. Now, imagine 20-year-old John roaming around the, clubs, the club scene of Minneapolis in 1994. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's exactly the image you should have. What you had in your mind is exactly right. 
One of those times when we were in prayer, um, I was just praying, God, who do you want me to reach? God, help me to speak what you want me to say. God, I pray you work in their hearts so that when I come to them, uh, they're ready to hear what you have to say. And I was praying, I actually got a vision of one man's face. So in my mind as I was praying, I saw a guy's face, and I just began to pray. I don't know the man. I didn't know his name. I didn't know anything about him. I just began to pray. And as I was praying, um, I didn't know what that meant, so I just kept praying, and I kept praying like we did the rest of the time. And then we're all walking downtown. I didn't really even say this to anybody as we're walking downtown. It was, you know, more than a mile from campus to the clubs and all these different things, but we're walking in the middle of the night downtown Minneapolis, going to the club, and um, the director, he says, John, you take, you and your partner, you take this block, because we team up in groups of two. He's like, you guys go with that block. Now, it was all guys, not because we didn't think women could minister, but when you have an 18- and 19-year-old guy in charge of anything, you probably don't want ladies around because we're probably going to do something stupid. So, and, you know, seeing how big and strong that I am, you know, it's not like I can protect anybody if anything were to go down. And us guys, you know, it's not like I haven't been beat down before, but thank you, babe. You ever like it when your iPad restarts in the middle of worship so that when you're getting ready to preach, it's got that little line going across? Um, so we're walking downtown, and uh, I get a sign on my block, and me and my partner, and we're walking and praying and looking to see if anybody's going to make eye contact and say hi and who we could talk to and who we might walk up to. And we're walking around, and there was this one bar on my block. I started here, and I kind of went almost around my whole block, and there was this bar called The Saloon. You know, what an ingenious name for a bar. It said The Saloon. As I'm walking by, I look at the entrance to The Saloon, and the bouncer of The Saloon is the face that I saw in prayer. Now, John, full of the grace and power of God, when I saw that guy's face, you know what I did? I kept walking, right, Keith? I was so freaked out. I was like, what is going on? And I go to my buddy who I'm walking with. I'm like, that's the guy that I saw when we were praying tonight. He's like, should we go talk to him? I'm like, no way. <laughs> so I, I have to admit, I didn't talk to anybody the whole rest. We walked around that block. Our whole job the whole night is just walk around the block until the leader came by and says, time to go home. So I'd use the whole rest of that city block. I'm just walking around, and I turn, and I go around, and I go around. And the whole time I'm praying, God, help me. God, help me speak. Help me to walk up to him. God, I'm freaked out. What do I do? Okay, God, he's coming up. It's getting closer. Okay, here we go. And I walk right up to this guy, and this is how I start. He's the bouncer, remember, at a downtown Minneapolis bar. And I walk right up to him at the door, and I said, hey, can I talk to you about Jesus? He's like... Not right now. And he walked in the bar. And I didn't see him the rest of the night. I was like, what is it? You know what I think about sometimes? What if I had walked up the first time around the block instead of the second time? And I'm glad I did walk up the second time. But you know what? Sometimes I remember... Those times I felt the Holy Spirit say to talk to somebody, and I didn't. And I think there's a lot of us that when God speaks and asks us to do something, we don't always respond 
the way that we should. And especially if we just walk on by. Now, I've talked to, you know, evangelism is what we call it in church, but talking to people about Jesus is a big thing that God asks us to do. And I can't tell you how many Christians I've talked to in more than 20 years of professional ministry and as I've been serving in church as a volunteer before that, how many people have a similar story that I have about the Holy Spirit saying, hey, go talk to that person, and all kinds of stuff starts coming into our head. All kinds of stuff starts happening inside of our heart. And how many times we just kind of let that opportunity go. And so today I'd like to talk to you about the idea of responding to the call. That's the title of my message for today, Responding to the Call. And I'm just going to dive into what the main idea of what we're going to talk about is that there are many ways to respond to God's call. There's lots of ways, and we're going to look at a bunch of them. I'm going to be primarily in the book of Luke, so if you have your Bible, you want to go there. There's notes in our church's app, or go in the Bible app and search for events. You'll find us in there. But in uh, Luke chapter 14, uh, verse 15 through 20, uh, Jesus is, is, is responding to a guy. Uh, they're talking about dinner. And so this man says, uh, there's a man sitting at a table with Jesus who exclaimed, what a blessing it will be atten to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. Wouldn't it be amazing? Can you think about that for a second? What is it going to be like in heaven? Now, the reason the men's breakfast was so well populated yesterday is because the way to a man's heart is through his... And you can look around the room. A lot of us are a little bit bigger than we need to be. But can you imagine the amazing omelets in heaven? Can you imagine that your steak is always cooked perfectly in heaven? Can you imagine, that, you know, for some of those who are a little fancier, the flatware in heaven? Can you imagine the beautiful china in heaven? Now, I rarely eat off china because I'm afraid I'm going to break it. But can you imagine what dinner's going to be like in heaven? Dude, it's going to be better chicken than KFC. It's better than even Van Abel's chicken, if you can believe that. It's going to be amazing. So let's look at what this man, Jesus, how he replies to this man. He said, it's going to be great when we eat in the kingdom. And Jesus replies, a man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations and when the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests, come, the banquet is ready. But they all began making excuses. One said, I just bought a field and I got to go inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. And another said, I just got married, so I can't come. Now, here's the thing, right? Excuses are like armpits. Everybody's got two and they all stink. Okay, there's a reason that deodorant is out there in the world. You know what I'm talking about? It's easy to find an excuse not to, right? Whether it's to God or to somebody else, we as human beings are really good at making excuses. When we don't want to do something, when we get in trouble, when something's hard, when we want to get our way, when so, you know, there's lots of different ways that we can try to excuse ourselves, but this is what I want to share with you a little bit about these first three responses to the call of God, because in this story, Jesus isn't just talking about dinner. He's talking about inviting people into his kingdom. The man had just said, what a wonderful time it will be to have a banquet in the kingdom. And Jesus immediately says, 
let me tell you about when I invite people into the kingdom. This is generally what kind of happens. And Jesus said this at another time. He says, many people walk the path of destruction, and only a few people walk the path that leads to life. So, whether it's you or me, or maybe you're here and you're contemplating whether you should really give your life completely to the Lord, or maybe you're watching online and you're thinking about how does this fit with me, I want to tell you something. If there's a lot of excuses going through your mind as to why I should not give my life completely to Jesus, you're not alone. Still not a good decision, but it's, it's kind of how it goes. So, um, customarily, as I was studying for this, when the invitation was sent out, there's an invitation sent out, what would happen when there's a big banquet? There'd be an invitation to the banquet, and then all the preparations would happen, and then this would be the reminder. It'd be like the reminder on your phone, or you get that email about a meeting coming up, or somebody calls you and says, hey, did you sign up for the 55-plus birthday lunch? If you haven't, you need to you know, sign up now, or hey, I see you signed up, make sure that you're here, that kind of a thing. So when he's sending out his servants, that the people had already probably, everyone in this story probably had already said, yes, I'll be there. But then when the time came, they said no. And again, I think pretty much all of us can relate to those times when God asked us to do something when we're at camp or when we're at church or when we're at Kids Blast or when we're at... Uh, wherever you are, and, you, and maybe it's your Bible time with God, God says, hey, I want all of you. And we're like, yes, God, you have it all. And then when God says, okay, I want you to do this, we're like, well, God, I've got some land I just bought, and I need to go check it out. How many of you go and buy land first and check it out second? Right? I bought that house sight unseen. That's not how that works. You get inspections, you go there, you visit it. They say when you're going to buy a home, you need to go at different times of day at different parts of the week so you can see what life is really like in that neighborhood. He said, ah, I'm, I'm busy, I got to go and inspect something I already bought. The other one said that he had bought some new farm equipment and he wanted to try them out. How many of you like to buy cars without ever test driving it, Right? without looking at consumer reports, without, you know, when you buy something, right, one of the easiest things to do online is go down below and look at the ratings that that, that purchase has received. And you're, in, and you're like, you know what, I'm going to buy this online, and I'm not even going to read the reviews, right? It's hard for us even to go, like, to a movie or a television or read a book without somebody saying, oh, this was an amazing book, you should read this. You know, it's not like we're just walking through the bookstore and randomly, oh, that book is purple. I will pick it up and read it, and I will buy it. We don't do that kind of stuff, but these people are doing that very thing. And then this next one, I got married, right? Ah, you've got to excuse me for that one, right? Sometimes people elope, but often we don't. And if I RSVP'd to come to the banquet, and I knew the wedding was going to be here, and I said yes already, and I've got my calendar all laid out for doing all of these things, and then when it finally comes to it, I'm just going to give this excuse, and he can't really get mad at me about that. And these are the way that we respond. People often respond. Basically, Lord, I've got more important things to do. 
In Luke chapter 9, we see some more. Jesus said to another person, come and follow me. And the man agreed, but he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus told him, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach the kingdom of God. So nobody goes to a funeral ever again. Let the spiritually dead bury them. Does that sound kind of mean to Jesus? This is the mean Jesus part. I thought he was nice and loving, and he died for me. He can't even go to the funeral. Well, that's not what we're happening. Of course, we need to honor our father and mother. That's one of the top ten in Exodus 20. And burying our parents, and even in their culture, would have been one of the greatest expressions of honoring parents. And most likely, this person was the eldest son because the eldest son was the one who was in charge of taking care of these things. And in fact, as I was studying, if the eldest son neglected burying his parents, he would get ostracized not only from his family, but probably from the entire town that he lived in. So what is Jesus trying to tell and what is going on this? It sounds like Jesus is getting more and more and more. But as I was studying through this, what I discovered is that it wasn't like this man's dad had just died. Because if his dad had just died, he wouldn't be asking Jesus about anything. He'd be at home burying his dad. And what I study, what more likely is happening here is he's like, hey, it, it was kind of a polite way of saying, can I have some time here? In Jewish culture in the first century, it was kind of like, you know, I want to fulfill this obligation, but, you know, I, I have this. It was kind of just a, a polite kind of cultural way of saying, can I have a little bit more time here before I jump in? His dad probably wasn't dead. His dad probably wasn't even sick. His dad probably wasn't near dying at all. He was just like, I just want a little bit of time. I want to delay my response is basically what was happening. And that's why Jesus wasn't acting harshly. He wasn't saying, I don't care about your parents. I don't care about you fulfilling your obligations. He's saying, don't delay. I know you're trying to be polite, but I'm going to break through the politeness of your excuse and say, don't delay. Don't delay. In Luke 9, verse 61, another one said, yes, Lord, I will follow you, but first let me say goodbye to my family. But Jesus told him, anyone who puts hands to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. And again, is Jesus saying, don't say goodbye to your parents or your family when you go on a global team or a missions trip? Don't say goodbye to your parents when you take a new job or you move to new... That's not what he's saying. But what he's saying is when God puts the call out and he's asking you to do something, don't come up with excuses to delay your response. Because guess what? We all kind of do that. And we do it subtly and we do it politely but God knows our hearts and what's really going on, sometimes better than we even do. And I don't know about you, but sometimes God's got to speak pretty directly to me before I get it. Because sometimes we get caught up in the way that we make decisions and how we process things and, and the way we react to things. We don't respond to God. We react to God without really even thinking because we have this way that we do things. I'm going to tell you a story about a reaction I had a little bit later. The next one is in Mark chapter 10, and this is a story of the rich young ruler. He just comes to Jesus and says, what do I have to do to have eternal life? And Jesus says, follow the commandments. He's like, I do that. What else do I need to do? And Jesus picks up 
In Mark 10, 21, he says, looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There's still one thing you haven't done. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. He didn't sell, say, sell your possessions and give it to your brother so in case this doesn't work out, you can go back home and get a little cash from that guy. He says, sell what you have and give it away to people you'll never get the money back from. But look at his response. At this moment, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had a lot of possessions. Sometimes it's our stuff, right? Sometimes there's a hot rod in the garage, and you want to take care of that hot rod. You want to keep it nice and shiny. And whatever that hot rod is in your life, it could be a relationship. It could be a thing. It could be your position. It could be your reputation. It could be all kinds of things that we say, this is the thing that I'm holding on to that I don't really want to let go. But often when God calls out to us, He says, I know that thing that's inside that you don't want to let go. And if you haven't heard that yet, He's going to talk to you about it at some point. You may or may not know what it is, but if God calls and you respond with sadness, you know that there's something in there that you've got as a higher priority than the Lord. In Luke chapter 14, we're going to go back to the original story that Jesus told about the dinner in heaven and the invitations, and everybody made excuses. In Mark 14, verse 21, the Bible says this, the servant returned and told his master that everyone had made the excuses. His master was furious and said, go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town. Invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And after the servant had done this, he came back and he reported, there's still more room. So his master said, go out into the country lanes behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. For none of those I first invited will get even the smallest taste of my banquet. This all started with the guy just saying, isn't it going to be great when we have dinner in heaven? And Jesus tells this story about the furiousness of the one who invites people into the banquet because people are making excuses as to why. Now, in particular, in this story, Jesus is talking about the arrogant people of the nation of Israel who are not recognizing Jesus as the Son of God and are actually plotting to fight against Him and they eventually kill Him. And He's saying, I've come to invite everyone and my chosen people of Israel to come, but many are rejecting me. They don't want to come into the kingdom. So he says, we're going to get outside of Israel, and we're going to go find some uh, people who live in northeast Wisconsin, and we're going to tell them about Jesus, and we're going to have them come. I love what it says. It says, go into the alleyway. Go into that place. It says, go out into the country lanes. He says, go out even, go look behind the hedges. Who are the people who are behind the hedges? Usually it's not a good situation, right? If there's somebody behind the hedges at your house, you're calling the cops or you're going to go confront them. But Jesus is saying, if you don't want to come into the kingdom, that's your decision. But you're rejecting me and my invitation to have that dinner in heaven with me. And if you don't want to come, I will find people who do want to come. And we can't become the spiritually arrogant that when God begins to talk to us and call us and ask us to do something, that we respond with excuses. 
We've got to be the people that are going to say, hey, I maybe don't fit in at a church. I maybe don't fit in in polite society. That's not who I really am. But Jesus says, I want you to come anyway. We're going to talk a little bit about that in the business meeting today, but we've got to keep on going. In Mark chapter 14, we read about that, how the, how the servant and the other people did respond. But then again, in, Luke, in Mark chapter 1, Jesus makes another call to actually people who are trying to follow God. And it says, one day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. And Jesus called to them, come follow me and I'll show you how to fish for people. And after they left their nets, uh, and they left their nets at once and followed him. Did they say, oh, I just bought some land? Oh, I just got some new ox. Oh, I just got married. Did you know at this point Simon is probably already married? And it says they did not delay. It says at once they left their nets and they went and they followed after him. And as I was reading through that and studying that, where am I at here? Here's my notes. Rink. It was immediately that Simon and Andrew left, and I looked up what immediately meant here. It says, it was a well-run pace, a good, hearty, speedy pace. When God calls us out from our comfortable Christianity of going to church on Sundays and asks us to do something more, do we respond like Andrew and Simon here and say, I'm going to make a good, fast, speedy pace? to obey God, even though it's difficult. And that's what he does. And that's what he does. And then there's more. It says here in the next part, it says um, in verse 19, it says, a little farther up the shore. So on the same beach, Jesus pulls out Andrew and Simon. A little further down the shore, it says, Jesus saw Zebedee's sons, James and John, in a boat repairing their nets. He called them at once. They also followed him, leaving their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men. So not only was God calling out believers to do something more for him, he's like, hey, you work in your dad's business, it's time to leave the business. And it says in here too, their dad was working, but they had hired men. These guys probably were pretty well off. We find out later on that James and John's mom starts hanging out with Jesus and is kind of following him around, and she might be one of those that's financially supporting Jesus, and she goes up to Jesus one time, hey, can you put my sons James and John on your right and your left in the kingdom, right? James and John were giving up big. They were walking away from a great business opportunity, a great business that was in existence, and in Galilee at the time, uh, the fishermen were actually upper middle class in their status in society, and these guys weren't just working, they, their dad owned the business. Their mom had so much free time that she could travel around Israel where Jesus was traveling. And they left at once. They immediately made haste at a speedy, a speedy pace to follow Jesus. Here he goes, another one. Luke chapter 5. It says, as Jesus left the town, he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi, Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. 
Can you imagine the guy working at the IRS, and Jesus walks into the federal building, says, Levi, come follow me, and he leaves all his paperwork and his spreadsheets. He leaves the whole computer open, all of his files of people he's doing audits on and everything else that he's doing. He's like, boss, I'm out, and he just walks out the federal building because Jesus called him out. And again, we can look at it and we can project into 2,000 years ago and say, oh, that was different for them and all this other stuff. But when was the last time while you were working, you were open to hear God's voice speaking to you about doing something and you were willing to do it anyway? I even have that in my job and I'm a pastor. And it gets really murky because like everything I do, I could get credit for in heaven. I mean... All the office work I got to do, all my study time, all these other things I've got to do, and, and taking care of the building, all these things, this is all help in the kingdom. But God does the same thing to me. He's like, John, I want to interrupt. And if you work in my office, you know how much I love interruptions. But what if we had the attitude of Levi? I'm leaving it all behind at once, immediately making haste and at a fast pace to do this. Now we're getting to the best part of the story because there's a lot of ways people respond, but there's one more scene of real life when Jesus walks into somebody's life and he, he calls out to someone. And we're going to see his response. This is one of my favorite stories ever since I was a kid. You might know it. Luke chapter 19. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man named there, Zacchaeus. Everybody say Zacchaeus. If you know the story of Zacchaeus, you know where I'm going. But let me read it and follow along anyway, because there's so many great details in here. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he became very rich. Very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. That's what I remember as a kid, because when we were kids, we'd say, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, wee little man was he. I don't know if it's appropriate to even sing that song, so we need to. <laughs> but he couldn't see all the crowd, so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree beside the road. By the way, when we sang it in the south, when Jesus came to his house, we said, I'm coming to your house for tea, because we love drinking sweet tea growing up in the south. So we projected onto Zacchaeus that they made sweet tea for when Jesus came to Zacchaeus' house. Anyway, that was me when I was a kid. He ran ahead and climbed a tree because so Jesus was going to come by that way. And it says, when Jesus came by, do you know what happened with Zacchaeus? We're not getting very far in the story, are we? What happened with Zacchaeus, he was not even right with God yet. He was in Jewish culture and he was very rich. But we're going to see he was kind of corrupt in just a minute. But when he heard Jesus was coming, he was pushing through the crowd. When he heard Jesus was coming, he figured out the parade route. When he heard Jesus was coming, if he had a ladder, he would have put a ladder up on the sidewalk just so he could see over the crowd. He was in a position, and he was chasing after Jesus before Jesus even called out to him for a response. When was the last time we prepared ourselves and we prayed first and we said, Jesus, whatever you want to do in these next moments, I'm ready. What if you prayed in this instant right now, if you're watching or you're here in this room and say, Jesus, you said you got a word for me today. You know me by name. What is the word you have for me today? Jesus, in the next five minutes of whatever John's going to come out of his mouth, it could be craziness. But anyway, 
You've got something that you want to say to me, and I'm ready, and I'm listening, and I'm ready to go. And you all go to church, so you're kind of already there. But did you pray before you came to church to say, God, whatever you want to do in church today? And when you leave church, do you pray, God, what's next that you have for me to do? And when you get up and when you go to bed, and when you're driving to wherever you're going, and with every person that you come in contact with, are you praying and say, God, you may want to do something right here. Are we expectant and ready like Zacchaeus was to chase down Jesus when he's getting ready to move? My notes got a little askew here. I apologize. Let's read the story. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. Everybody say quick. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus, quickly, say quickly, climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. Verse 7 is the bad part. But the people were displeased. He's gone to the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Notorious. He's very rich. We're going to find out why he's notorious in a second. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood up before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord, and if I've cheated any people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much that I took from them. And Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham instead of the grumblers and complainers because he's responding to me, for the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost." Jesus said, move quick. And Zacchaeus moved quickly. Are we in a position so that when Jesus says, you got to make a quick decision, we're ready to move quickly? How come a notorious sinner is better at this stuff than longtime Christian churchgoers are? And I can explain about myself about part of this too. But like I said, there's, lot, there's many ways to respond to God's call. And Zacchaeus responded quickly, and he received a different life. Just being in God's presence, he says, I don't have to give this money away. Jesus never said, give your money to this guy. The other guy, he said, sell what you have. But Zacchaeus spontaneously said, I'm giving half my money to the poor. How many of us today are ready to say, I'm going to go to the bank on Monday, take out half my money, and I'm going to give it to different charity organizations that serve the poor? Exactly. Now, I'm not mad at you. I'm just saying we've got to understand what Zacchaeus is actually doing. And he says, if I've hurt anybody in my sin life before I came to Jesus, I'm going to make it up to them four times over. How many of us have gone back to the people we've hurt in our past and say, I'm going to give you four times blessing of all the garbage I put into your life? But that's the kind of response we're talking about here. And like I said, there's all kinds of ways to respond to God's call. There's many ways to respond to the call of God. And you've been there and I've been there. We walk through evangelism opportunities. We don't sign up to serve in the nursery. We, we, we're, we're concerned about how things are going at work. I don't have time for a coworker to bother me when I'm in the middle of this thing. You know, there's, when, when the call is to go out to give to somebody about something, whether it's a, a 
global partner that we have, or maybe it's a neighbor or a friend, that we say, here's some money, and they say, well, I'll pay you back, and you just say, nah, just keep it. There's lots of ways to respond to God. There's many ways to respond to God's call. But this is what we need to do. When we, resp- when we respond to God's call, we should do it quickly. When God is calling to us, we need to move quickly. Whether that's you're here today and you really haven't given your life to Jesus yet, Don't wait another second. Start right now. Your life could utterly change just like Zacchaeus' life changed. Don't be one of those ones that God says, I want you in the kingdom of heaven starting now and forever. And we're like, "Ah, I've got other things to do. You're going to miss out on so much. Be like those who live out in the country and live behind the hedge and say, hey, you want to invite me? I'm in on this. I'll get whatever you got for me. I'll take it. Like those men who had solid jobs and they all just quit their job when God said, I'm calling you to go into ministry. I'm calling you to switch jobs and go to a different vocation. I'm calling you out to do this thing. Are we really willing to sell what we have? Like some of our global partners, we had one of our partners come a few years ago, I think two years ago, and they, when I met with them, they said, we had the white picket fence American dream life. And God said, I want you to give it up and move around the world for me. And they did. That's the kind of response that God is looking for. And whether it's obedience or making God priority or called into full-time ministry, or like I said, just giving your life to Jesus today, God is asking us to respond this year. Now, Pastor John, Pastor Sophony, would you come? I'm going to, can you get the Kleenex box? What day did you come? Was it Monday or Tuesday? Come up here. Everybody welcome Pastor John and Pastor Sophony. Thank you, thank you for being here today. Yes. Thank you for coming up on the platform for me. I didn't warn them. I didn't have time. Pastor John and Pastor Sophony came to the office on Monday or Tuesday. Tuesday? Wednesday. It was Wednesday. Perfect day for interruption for John. (laughs) On Wednesday. And they are from uh, Republic of Congo. They've been, Democratic Republic of Congo, been here like seven to ten years. One of you seven years, one ten years. And they came to my office and they said, we need a place to meet and a church to partner with. Now, don't smile because I, I'm confessing sin here because <laughs> we're sitting in the office. Pastor John's translating, by the way. It's easy to remember Pastor John's name for me, by the way. <laughs> so when they came to meet with me and they said, we need a place to pray, you know how mine works? How do we do this? Where are they going to fit? Sunday morning. What rooms? How do we do this? What is their denomination? I don't even speak Congolese. I don't know how to communicate. And so I met with them, and I told you my heart is open to see how we can partner together. But then I'm thinking my next, we have the annual meeting on Sunday, and our next board meeting is until March. How am I going to talk to the board about all of this stuff? 
And then when we're in prayer this morning, and I see Zacchaeus respond to God, and just when Zacchaeus was there, he stood up and he said, I'm going to give half my money to the poor. And as we're praying this morning, between 8.30 and 9 o'clock, I'm in prayer with the team. How can I not respond like Zacchaeus when my brothers are coming and looking for a place to meet? Now, this morning, I asked the prayer team to pray for me because I said, I have not talked to the board about this. Thankfully, I saw them all before church, so I talked to them individually. And I said, this is what's going on, and I feel like God is saying, respond quickly, because that's literally what I'm preaching about. So, Pastor Sophony, Pastor John, whatever we can do to help your church, we feel called by God to serve you. And it is our blessing to be partners with you in ministry. Can you bless these guys? Jen, Bill, Dwayne, Andy. Come on up. We're going to pray. I have no idea about the details. And I don't know if we're going to be the final destination because they may think I'm a little crazy. But we're going to pray together if that's okay. Reach out a hand. We're going to respond quickly. And when we respond quickly, it gets a little messy, but we'll figure it out. So, Heavenly Father, we pray over Pastor John and Pastor Sophony, and we ask you to bless their church and bless their ministry, bless the people in their church. We pray your Holy Spirit to fall on them powerfully, and we pray that more and more people are going to find Jesus through this church. And Lord, I don't know what the partnership looks like going forward, but I ask that you help us. You've called us to respond quickly today. So, Lord, we're taking a step of faith. We don't know the details. So, Lord, help us, whatever the partnership looks like, whether it's in our building or somewhere else, whatever we can do to serve our brothers, I pray you help us. In Jesus' name, church, say amen. 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 Thank you, pastors. Thank you, board. The good news is when I talk to the board about some of these lame brain ideas, they always have good, practical, well, what about this, this, and this, and this? I'm like, I don't know. And they put up with me, and they help me with some of these things. And I don't know, pastors, thank you for coming, and I don't know what this means and what's going to happen, but I do know this. God gave a woman in our church, Diana, a dream about walking through this building and seeing little churches all over this building where everybody was happy because their needs were being met. And we had already had our Spanish language congregation. A year ago in January, the Hmong church came And now we have another church who wants to come. But who are we to say this is our building not to use for what God's kingdom wants to do? And we're going to do it. I got to get my notes back. I thought I was going to cry more than that, so I put my notes away. I cried during prayer meeting earlier, and I cried during the music time, so maybe I got all the tears out. I do look at notes sometimes, Pastor Roy. Not often, but sometimes. God is asking us to respond this year. He's asking us that when we share Jesus with those he asks us to, that we will plant and water seeds, and when we respond quickly, because it's the time to plant and water seeds, 
Not only that, it's the time to harvest plants and the, and the, and the grain that is available to us. We need to move quickly because you can't leave the harvest out there just sitting around. We need to move quickly. And when we do that, we are going to see people find Jesus. Do you believe that? We've had over 20-some people get saved just on Sunday morning since the beginning of the year. And you might hear me say yes, yes, yes when we do the salvation stuff. And I say yes to everybody who responds, but I know who's responded five or ten times and who hasn't. So I include everyone, but these are people I've never seen respond to Jesus before. And when you share Jesus and you do it quickly, when he asks you to share Jesus, you're going to be planting seeds and watering seeds that somebody else will harvest, but you may very well harvest souls that somebody else has been planting and watering, and he wants you to do that. This is what's going to happen when we respond quickly. When we obey God, we will experience the presence of God. In the business meeting, I'm going to share about Wednesday night how we had three prophetic messages come from three distinct people who didn't talk and how God is unfolding some of these things. Last week, Eric talked about experiencing God's voice. When we put ourselves in position to hear God, guess what? We hear God, but we got to do it quickly. We don't got to wait till next month to start a plan on how to grow in our relationship with God. When we put Jesus first, do you know what's going to happen? When we quickly decide that every other priority is less than Jesus, Jesus is going to provide for every single one of our needs. Your needs, whatever they are, God said, I will take care of where you will live, what you will eat, and what you will wear. He will take care of your needs when you put him first. If we don't, but if we do it quickly, we can get the provision faster. If you're feeling a stir in your spirit, to give up everything and answer the call, you may be, God might be stirring in you to start a new business. God may be stirring in you to go into ministry. God may be stirring in you to make a change of this, that, or the other thing. I'm here to tell you because he's done that in my life. He will take you and show you things that you never would ever thought or imagine could ever happen. He will do the miraculous in your life. When we as a church decide to when somebody walks in on a Wednesday and says, we want to use your building, if we respond quickly to God, he can bring alignment in our board of elders, our, our deacon board, our servant leadership team, so that they have open hearts to what's going to happen. And God puts people who are more detail-oriented than me in the position so we can figure out how to make this work. And when we're juggling, you know, all of these different things going on, I don't know how we're going to do it, but do you know what? I'm not worried about it. Whenever we have that apprehension come up of how is this going to work out, when you learn how to respond to God quickly, you don't have that apprehension anymore. When you learn to trust Him and say, I'm going to obey, I'm going to respond to the call, whatever happens, you know what's going to happen in this church? Look around the room, it's already happening. There are breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough that God has already been working out in this church. And I mean in your life, but I mean in our collective life as a church. God is breaking down barriers of what the enemy is trying to do. And you know what I'm praying for? I'm praying for thousands of souls in the valley to come to Jesus Christ. There's 70-some whatever in Appleton alone plus the surrounding area. 
God can do more than I could think or ask, so I think God can save hundreds of thousands of people who live in the valley. Why don't we believe that? And guess, here's the good news. We don't have to do it by ourselves. There's a lot of good churches around that God is stirring in their hearts too. I have a pastor's group that I pray with, and all we do is pray that people find Jesus. But we've got to respond quickly. We've got to respond quickly. Joanne, would you come? Would you bow your heads with me? I want to give you a chance to respond to Jesus quickly right here, right now. If you're here today and you're not in the kingdom and you want to be in the kingdom, I'm going to tell you how to get there. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. That means you put Jesus first place in your life and you believe that the Bible is true, that Jesus died, that God brought him back to life. You do that and you'll be saved. So every head bow, every eye closed, I'm going to give you a chance. If you're here today, and you, I need you to respond quickly now because that's what we're doing. If you want to give your life to Jesus today, I just want you to look up and make eye contact with me right now. Ready? One, two, three. Okay, keep your head up just for a second while I'm scanning. Keep looking, okay? I see three or four so far. Who else? Okay. Okay. I'm just going quickly across, back and forth across the room, and I'm looking at you. I'm giving you a little nod when I see you. I see you. I see you. It's okay. I see you. Okay, now everybody can look at me. I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer of what I just said. I'm just going to say, Jesus, your first place, and I believe what the Bible said, that you came back to life. Are you guys ready? We're all going to pray this together, so you don't have to pray all by yourself. Say, Jesus... I make you first place. You're my Lord. I believe what the Bible says, that you died for me, and God brought you back to life. Amen. Can we give God praise for those that are making a commitment to the Lord today? Now, if you're here... And God has been, like Sharice was saying, specifically speaking to you about something. Do it quickly. If it's making reconciliation, if it's paying a debt, if it's talking to someone, if there's some way you need to serve or maybe you want to get beginning in serving, I don't know what it is, somebody you need to share Jesus with, I want to tell you, do it quickly. Let's be a Zacchaeus church where even short people can come. I like that kind of church. Terry and Penny, we're the three founding members. <laughs> Let's respond quickly to God. Would you stand with me? Holly's going to come and close us out. And remember, we'll meet back here in about 10 minutes or so. Members sit here in the middle, sign in if you haven't. But hey, God bless you. You guys are important. God loves you. Respond quickly. Like I said at the beginning, God had something specific to talk to you about today, and I'd encourage you to take a step right now. What is something you could actually do based on what God brought to your attention? It could be the action step that was brought out in the sermon, or it could be something different. Just take a step. The Bible says when we draw near to God, He draws near to us. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to participate in person during one of our Sunday worship services. In the meantime, to keep up with everything our church is doing, go to foxvalley.church or download our app and search Fox Valley Church wherever you get your apps. God bless you.